This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. River Church, I'm so glad to see you here today, man. What a way to start off the day, man. That was some good stuff. Um, I am excited to preach today because the text that we're going to be talking through today is actually the first uh, first text or scripture passage that I ever preached in my life. So I'm going to use the same sermon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, I, uh, when I preached this text, I was like 14 years old, 14 or 15, something like that. And we had like a youth event at our church and I was the preacher's kid. So I got selected to preach. And so that's the way that it works. And uh, I remember sitting in my dad's office and using his commentaries that he had and reading and studying, not having a clue what I was doing. Matter of fact, it was an awful sermon. Like it was just bad. Like I remember getting up there, I was shaking and probably went five minutes and some of you guys were like, hey man, we like that. All right. Um, but uh, man, it was, I, as I was studying this this week and looking over it, I was just remembering that. So if nothing else, it was fun for me to do that. So um, but this is a scripture passage about rest. It's Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. And this is, it's a scripture passage about rest. And if, as you think about it, man, we, we like our rest, don't we? We need that rest, baby. Um, I was thinking about being a, like, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about new parents and things like that. And like rest is that thing that, that you don't realize that you need until you don't have it. Am I right? And so that's why you got these new parents and they just walk around like zombies, snapping on people, going crazy. You know, there's a few of you that have that to look forward to coming up soon here at the river. So good luck with that. Stay away from me. I was playing. <laughs> and I remember, uh, and I remember when I was in college, uh, I spent a year at Tarrant County College here before I went to school for to Bible college. And I remember sitting in like a government class or something. There's this guy behind me and this guy was weird. But uh, this guy was, he was making it a goal to go a week without sleep, which I'm pretty sure can kill you. And he, after he did this, he never showed up for the rest of the semester. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. But I remember as he went about two days without sleep, I remember this guy was like sitting behind me hallucinating. I mean, it was like some weird stuff happening. So all that to say, rest is important. Rest matters. And as we talk about this, this scripture passage, he's going to talk about rest today. Maybe he'll redefine for us a little bit how we can truly rest in him, how we can find rest in our salvation, how we can find rest in the hope of Jesus. And uh, let's just jump in. I'm just going to start reading. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you can imagine us in this setting, as Jesus is speaking these words, as he's preaching these words, he's speaking these words to a crowd of people who had grown up in this religious, this Jewish religious system that was based on, that was defined by laws and rules and regulations, this religious law that had been given to the people that was essentially felt like this rule book to get into heaven, right? 
And it was, it was started out, it was given to the Jewish people about 1500 years earlier. God had given them what they called the law. And we're not talking about like law, like if you speed, I'm going to pull over, you're going to get a ticket, but a religious law that dealt with moral practice and dealt with religious practice. And the reason why God gave them this law is because Israel at the time is surrounded by these different nations, by these different people who are just twisted and demented and evil and like perverted in the way that they lived and the lifestyles that they lived. And so God gives them these rules. I mean, they were doing things like human sacrifice. Incest was like normal in society. The societies around them, they had ritual prostitution going on in the way they worshiped their gods. And so God comes in and he gives them the law. And the law was a way that God could provide provision and guidance for his people, a way that he could show them, this is how, if you're going to follow me, this is how I expect my people to act. And that's, that's where we get the famous 10, you know, the 10 commandments. But it was actually a lot more detailed than that. There was a lot more involved than that. It encompassed really every area of, of the Hebrew life. And there's things in there we know, like honor the Sabbath and, and keep it holy and things like that. But then over time, what started to happen is these guys named the Pharisees come in. The Pharisees are kind of the religious elite. You know, they're the best of the best somewhat. You know, at least it appeared that way from the outside, the best at being religious, right? And the Pharisees come in, they're kind of the leaders, and they begin to tack on rules to the rules. And they begin to add on laws to the laws. So there's this thing like keep the Sabbath holy, which means essentially it's a day that we worship God, it's a day that we rest. And they begin to define, here's how we think you should rest, which is kind of weird. Somebody else tell me how they think I should rest. You know what I'm saying? Rest for me may look like beating up some people in basketball on a Sunday afternoon. Can I get an amen? But anyways, they come in, they begin to tack on laws. Like they had things, they even talked about, they had these rules like, in order to rest, here's how many steps you're allowed to take on the Sabbath. That's just weird, right? Like as a matter of fact, counting how many steps I take on a certain day doesn't sound, rest, sound restful to me. That sounds like exhausting to me. <laughs> but so they begin to, to add on to the laws. And and what they're trying to do is they're, they're adding on laws on top of the laws that God had given Moses. And what they were doing is they're, they're trying, I think the heart behind it was good in the beginning. Like they're trying to help people follow God. They're trying to help people do it correctly, what they thought was correct and what they thought. But, but these laws, these rules that they're adding on and adding on and adding on didn't come from God. And they became tradition and they became controlling. And they just really, honestly, at the end of the day, just became exhausting to the people. And they begin to see God, not necessarily for who he is, but as this like legislator, this, this, this law enforcer, this policeman who's just like kind of waiting to like, don't mess up so I can condemn you <laughs> kind of thing. And so when Jesus comes in and he speaks these words, follow me and I will give you rest. If you're just, if you're in that crowd, you can just imagine the feeling that the crowd has. I mean, they're kind of shocked by this. Or if, if, if not shocked, they're at least confused because they're thinking following God is work. It's not restful. Following God is difficult. It's not restful. Following God is about being better, doing better, working harder, doing more. It's not like rest. That's the last thing that these guys are picturing, right? It's the exact opposite of what they had, they had experienced. And there might be some of us in here today, you think about God and you start equating God and rest and you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Those don't, those don't, those don't go together. Be better, do better, work harder, harder, spend a lot of time. Gotta be perfect. And if I can't be perfect, I gotta at least look perfect, right? 
Like get on that Instagram, put the picture of your Bible, the coffee, take the picture, spent my morning with Jesus. All right. Got him. And if any of you did that this morning, I am not making fun of you. I did not see that. <laughs> Somebody just gets up and walks out of church slowly, right? <laughs> but so what happens is this law, they can't attain to it. They can't do it. And so it becomes more about looking perfect on the outside versus being perfect on the inside. And so when Jesus steps up and he offers, my yoke is light, my burden is easy, they're a little confused. And what this is is a reference. You're like, yo, what's Jesus talking about? Eggs, right? <laughs> Thanks, Katie. What this yoke is, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a farming term. And so what they do is they put two animals, oftentimes oxen, and they put this wooden frame on them and it yokes them together, ties them together. And so what they do is they put a heavy load of grain or whatever it is they need to pull and the oxen take and carry this heavy load. It's this heavy burden that the animals have to carry with them. And over time, the law became known as this yoke that people had to carry. It was a burden. It was a weight that they had to carry, that they had to obey, that they had to, to walk in. And so it's, it's, it becomes known as this crushing burden, but they just associated it. That's just what you have to do. If you want to follow God, it's this crushing burden that you got to carry with you. And so Jesus steps in and he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That is the opposite of what they thought this picture of God was. And it's actually confusing because if you even look at some of the other things that Jesus said, it's, it doesn't make sense. You're like, wait, Mike, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, for example, if you backtrack to Matthew chapter 5, it just seems interesting in some of the things, in light of some of the things that he said here. And I'm going to just read a whole bunch of it and we'll walk through it. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning. It's the, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the one where Jesus stands up on the mountaintop, preaches to all these people. It's like the most famous sermon of, famous? Famous sermon of all time, right? It's, it's awesome. And so let me just read it and you can see how we can, how are we going to put these two together? How are we going to make it work? Uh, five chapter chapter five verse seventeen. Jesus says, "Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law, and all thi- until all things are accomplished." Verse nineteen. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And here's the one I want you to catch, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, he's got their attention there, doesn't he? (laughs) Unless you're better than the Pharisees, you can't get into heaven. Like, remember, these are the religious elite. These are like, at least on the outside, look like the best of the best. This is like the Michael Jordan of being religious, the Bill Gates of being religious. And the average person that's sitting in this crowd hearing this is looking at that going, they're not, they're not getting in? You got to be more righteous than that? And like, the, the average person, honestly, they're sitting there going, they're just thinking like, I'm going to hell. There's, there's no way. <laughs> There's no way. And then Jesus, he doesn't make it easier. As a matter of fact, and this is something I love about God, he goes straight for the heart. And he just begins to break down. When I say righteous, here's what I mean by righteous. And one by one by one, he goes through on this, this, this talk where he says, you've heard it said this, but I say this. You've heard it put this way, but I say this. Like he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. And the guys in the crowd are going, I'm good there. I ain't never killed nobody. 
He says, but I say, if you're angry at someone, you deserve judgment. If you call them a fool, you deserve jail time. Man, I called three people fools on the way to church this morning. <laughs> Log me up. He says, if you curse someone, you might wind up in hell. Can you imagine what that crowd is feeling right there? Like they're like, Jesus, my brother's an idiot. I can't be mad at him. Do you know him? Some of you guys know my brother. Like, yeah. <laughs> But he's just getting started. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And all the guys are like, baby, I got you here. I have not. I am good. I love you. Right? And you alone. <laughs> May not like my brother, but I'm good here. <laughs> but I say to you, Jesus said, even if you look at a woman lustfully, it's as if you have already slept with her. And you can just hear the guy eating his fish sandwich like, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> And then Jesus is just relentless. He talks about divorce. He talks about revenge. He talks about our enemies. And time and time again, he points out, if you think you're righteous, if you think you're good, you're only fooling yourself. He's pointing out we're sinners and no one in this crowd, not we, he wasn't, no one in this crowd as he's preaching is righteous. And he finishes with this huge one. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I but hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? And we're like, yeah, we pray for them. <laughs> Get them, right? <laughs> and at this point, you've got to be thinking, the crowd is start out where Jesus is saying, you can't get in the club. You can't make it to heaven unless you're more righteous than the Pharisees, which seems hard enough. And then Jesus just raises the bar even higher. Like he, ra- he makes it, like if they thought it was impossible, he just like threw it out of the stratosphere, Right? There ain't no one in the crowd being like, amen, we're going to hell. <laughs> this, this isn't like your feel-good prosperity sermon. This one hurts. I mean, Jesus is walking through the crowd. And he's essentially going, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're good. Just kidding. You're a sinner. You're a sinner, right? <laughs> and he finishes by saying, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so Jesus sets this standard for us. That if you want to be good enough to get on your own merit into heaven, you got to be as good as God. Now, there's some people that I've known to have a God complex, but this is on a different level. <laughs> and the crowd has to be thinking, this is impossible. Like, I can't even keep up with the, what the Pharisees are telling me to do. How could I ever be good enough to earn it on my own? And that is exactly the point, isn't it? What Jesus is doing is he's pointing out their inconsistencies and their hurry to be good, to look good, to look perfect, to be perfect. They've redefined what perfect looks like so that they could get in, so they could pass, right? I ain't as bad as that guy. I ain't as dirty as that guy, right? I'm better than that, right? And what Jesus does is break all of that down because they had missed the point. They thought the point of the law, the point of the rules was to be perfect. But the point of the law was, the point of the rules was to show them how imperfect they actually were. To show them how much in need of a Savior. To show them that they can't do it on their own. That they just needed to give in. The law was designed the entire time to lead them to Jesus. And he's systematically showing them essentially how jacked up they are. That their attempts to be good. That their attempts to earn favor with God. Their attempts to make it was just sad and at the end of the day full of holes. And then a few chapters later, after telling them that their attempts to earn salvation on their own was wasted, that it was empty, that it was full of holes, Jesus steps in just these some chapters later and says, come to me, 
If you're tired of trying to do it on your own, are you weary? Come to me. If you're carrying a heavy burden, if you have guilt because you just can't make it on the on your own, come to me and I will give you rest. And you're looking at a crowd, a group of people who are tired and worn out because they couldn't do it on their own. People who never quite could understand that the law wasn't the end in of itself, that the law was always about pointing to Jesus. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 5, Jesus comes to the Pharisees and he said, you search the scriptures because you think it will give you eternal life, but all of the scriptures point to me, Jesus wasn't there to break the law. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. And God, of course, wants people to do their best. He wants them to follow him. He wants you to be, as a Christian, sanctified and holy and good. But at the end of the day, what he ultimately wants for you to do is to know that you need him as your savior. The point of Christianity isn't about being good. It's about a relationship with Jesus because you are will never be good enough. If you're carrying this burden thinking that you can please God, that you can earn your way in, that you can be good enough, you will never, never, never get there. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about righteousness or being good, but here's what I want you to know, church, is that we need to understand what it is that makes us righteous. And that thing that makes us righteous is the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for you and me for the forgiveness of our sins. And that, and that alone is what makes us righteous before God. That that and that alone is what makes us good before God. That that and that alone is what allows us to enter into a relationship with God. It is nothing that you have done to earn. And that is beautiful. (laughs) He alone lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place so that we could have forgiveness. See, Proverbs says that a righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. And when you hear that, it sounds like the righteous man ain't so righteous, is he? (laughs) Sounds like the righteous man kind of (laughs) sucks. But the righteous man is only righteous because it is God who says he is righteous. And what the righteous man does is he follows and he follows and he falls down, but then he gets back up because he trusts God for his righteousness. And he goes and he falls and he gets back up because he trusts God to transform him. And then he goes and he falls down and he gets back up because he trusts God to heal him. And what the righteous man's job is, is to stay faithful, to continue on, And so many of us, even as Christians, I feel like, are so focused on being perfect so that maybe God will love us more or accept us that we miss the point of the gospel, which is he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He sent Jesus to be sin for us, to stand in our place so that we would become acceptable to God. And if you you need to hear this this morning, hear this. He loves you now. He died for you now. He wants to be in a relationship with you today. And that's what's so cool about what we're going to get to celebrate here in just a few weeks on Easter Sunday is that we have a God who says, you can't earn it. You can't do it. There's no way, no how, nothing you can do to get in on your own, to earn it on your own. But tell you what, I'll earn it for you. Man, That's why the gospel is so humbling because we are incapable of deserving it on our own and yet God offers us life anyway. Praise God, man. And here's what I want to say to you today, River Church. If you're tired today, if you need peace today, he should offer you rest and he should offer you peace. 
We watched this incredible movie about the prodigal son this last week. And let me tell you, man, the prodigal son is not a story of a guy who, who left his family and then realized that he had sinned and decided to come back, pull himself up by his own bootstraps, work his way back in so the father would accept him. The, the prodigal son is a story about a son who ran away, who left everything, who shamed his family, who shamed his father, who messed up and was dirty and disgusting and nasty and said, man, I just want to come home. And he decided, maybe I can come home. Maybe my father will let me back in. A father who, as soon as he sees the son, he runs to the son in his filth, runs to the son in his disgust, runs to his son in his sin and nastiness, throws his own robe on the son, gives him his own ring and says, welcome home, son. That's the story of our God. That's the story of our faith. And so today, if you're tired and you're weary, and you're, even as a Christian, you're like, I'm just try, tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to earn favor on my own, his love on my own. Know this. He never asked you to do that. What he asked you to do is come home. And when you fall down, be faithful and get back up. And when you fall down, be faithful and get back up. And when you fall down, trust him to be your righteousness. And follow him. And so the band's going to come out and they're going to play and, and we're going to worship God for his goodness. And I, I just want to say this to you today, River Church. If there's anyone in here who's tired and if there's anyone in here who's weary, today would be a fantastic day for you to find rest, don't you think? And so I'm going to pray, and then there's going to be people hanging out down here. And if you'd like to pray with somebody, I encourage you, please do that. I'll be, I'll be standing right there. You can come pray with me. I want God to give you rest. I want God to give you peace. I want you to be able to take that weight off of your shoulders. Isn't that such a burden? Have courage and do that today. Let the River Church be a place of life transformation. Let the River Church be a place where God works in your life today. I encourage you to do that. Let's worship him together. God, I love you. Thank you. Thank you that Jesus is the gospel. <laughs> that there's so much, so many things that we make it that it's not. There's so many things that we try to make it about that it's not. And there's so many times that we just, we're trying to be good enough. We're trying to earn your love. We're trying to earn your favor. And what we forget is that you've loved us the whole time. That you literally sacrificed everything so that we could be with you and be in relationship with you. Help us today to realize that, man, you never asked us to earn it. What you asked us to do is come home. And so, God, I pray that you would let us, let us come home today, find rest today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.